Good evening, everybody. How are you? Cool, you're asleep. That's awesome. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be at starting uh, this evening. Um, as you're turning there, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to check these videos out before this weekend, and they are awesome. And I encourage you, man, just zone in when they turn them on. And maybe even grab a little pen and paper because there are so many great uh, phrases that are coming out of that that just really applies not only this weekend, but as we think about our life in light of the Lord. It is amazing. Here's one that I wrote down. It said this. Its value transforms based on what it can be in my hands rather than what has been apart from me. Let me say that again. It's talking about that clay and, and the the, the the one that's forming it and shaping it is saying this about that simple clay. Its value of the clay transforms based on what the potter can do, what it can be in its hands rather than what it can be apart from the potter. It's just some clay, but the value that the potter adds to it is, is, is insane. We're going to talk a little bit about that says this here in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 and 18 says this. Now this, Paul says this, I, I testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as Gentiles, people that don't know who God is. No, don't walk as Gentiles do in their fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from a life of God because of their ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of their heart. Don't be walking as if you don't know God, because if you know God, you're supposed to live a different kind of life. This is what Paul's talking about, and that's what this recrafted idea is. Those that are in Christ Jesus, those that call themselves Christ followers, you're to walk in a newness of life. Not like the old life, but the new, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. And If you don't know who Christ is, we're going to talk about what that looks like as well this weekend and a lot more tomorrow night. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, thank you for this worship. Thank you for this time of allowing us, our hearts to line with yours. This awesome band up here bringing us to your throne. These videos that get us focused a little bit more on, on, on what you would have to say to us. And I, I thank you for this passage of scripture. It's challenging us to not live like people that don't know who you are. If we claim we know who you are, may we walk that way. Lord, thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, my name's Rich. I, uh, I'm a pastor down in Long Beach. I actually worked at Hume Lake for 14 years doing high school ministry uh, right at the lake, and I loved what I was able to do there. About six, seven years ago, uh, just felt that pull of the Lord's calling me out of that. Camping world, which again, I loved doing themes and, you know, making fun videos and uh, doing recreation. I loved it all. Loved being able to come up and talk to students about, you know, what their relationship with the Lord looked like. I loved it. And the Lord just seemed to transform my, my wife and my, my, uh, my wife's heart, my heart. And as we moved down to Long Beach and I was shepherding some adult ministry stuff, uh, still engaging in our youth group and our church and just. We love what we get to do down there, but camp is a special place. My wife is here in the back. My kiddos are playing uh, something somewhere. I don't know where they're at. Hopefully they're around at some point. You'll see them. Uh, 
But we love what we get to do. You know, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I don't really have the greatest memory. I don't, I don't, I don't remember too many things in my childhood. Um, but there's like pockets of things. And maybe you have a really good memory. I'm jealous of that. I, I don't for some reason. But I remember little pockets of things. And I remember, again, this is one of the few stories that I know. But I remember growing up and around Easter time, uh, you know, my parents would get a little Easter basket right before church. You'd wake up, you'd go on a scavenger hunt to find this thing. And, you know, there's always like a pair of socks in there or whatever it is. And you go to school the next day and my friends are eating like these big old chocolate bunnies just full of caramel and, you know, just awesomeness. And, uh, and man, it's just like it's, it's a thick chocolate bunny. And you might know what I'm talking about. And it was just always like I just remember, you know, in, in, in grade school, just me. And I, I'd love to have one of those chocolate bunnies around Easter time. Because they're always on the shelves, and they looked awesome, but my parents never got it for me, except for one year. I do remember waking up and seeing this Easter basket and seeing this chocolate bunny wrapped in there, and I'm like, I'm going to dominate that thing right now. And my mom and dad are like, nope, you cannot eat that until after church. And I was like, all right, so we go to church. We go to church, and I'm thinking about this thing, and I come home. Can't wait to just, you know, just bite the ear and then, you know, the caramel and the chocolate, and I just, it's going to be awesome tear into that box, I go to take a bite of that bunny I've been longing for. And it literally crumbles as I take a bite in it. Why? Because it was completely hollow, an empty chocolate bunny. That's not a big deal because I'm older now and I don't think about it very often. But you think about that moment when you're coming in and you're anticipating and expecting something to really satisfy you the way you've wanted it to, just to take a bite of it hopes that it promises so much, and then you find out it's just empty. Now, granted, that was me being a kid. But I'd be crazy if I don't think that there are some people in this room that you're walking into life, and you've kind of been promised this life is going to be something that is fully satisfying. And you find yourself longing for something, and when you finally get it, it's kind of let you down more times than not. And you find yourself getting overwhelmed with how much trust and hope am I going to put into these things when I find myself continuing to be let down. That might not be everybody, but I have to believe that there's people in here walking through some things that you're like, why is it not living up to what I hoped it would be? You know, the, the Bible talks about that. In fact, there's a guy named Solomon. He, if you know your Bible a little bit, King David, the guy who killed a giant, he had a son, he had many sons. One, one son was named Solomon. He became the king of Israel. In fact, God says, you could have whatever you want. And he says, well, I would want wisdom. And God grants him this, this wisdom. And in the Bible, it talks about him being the wisest person known. That kings and queens would come and just sit under his teaching and they were blown away with his wisdom. He did some really good things at the beginning as he honored the Lord, but then as he kind of got lots of possessions and lots of things, and he just started going spiraling downhill and out of control. And, and a lot of people think that he wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, at the end of his life. As he's looking back on his life, in fact, chapter 2 speaks into what we were just talking about. It says at the very beginning, come and test. He's testing his heart to say, what is worthwhile to do uh, in this world while I'm here? 
Where can I find hope and meaning and purpose and pleasure? Where can I do it? So he's like, I'll, I'll try, I'll try wine, I'll try alcohol, I'll try that party scene. And it says, and it's, it's foolishness. And then it goes on in about verse 5 and 6, it says, all right, well, maybe if we case so that, that scene didn't satisfy like it promised that it would. I can't find happiness there. What if, what if I really dive into my work? I'll really dive into just making my, my life's work mean something. And he says, that was, that was foolish. What if I bring people into my house with hospitality and, and I, I do all of these good things? What if I do a lot of work for, uh, uh, for nature and, and, and making just garden groves and all of these different things? I'll bring water into the community and then I'll be known in the community. Maybe that will satisfy me as I put my hope in this scene and it didn't work. In this scene and it didn't work. In this scene, I'll put my hope and purpose in that. And it says this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9, says this. So I became great, surpassed all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom still remained. Whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep from them. Whatever I wanted, I got. I took. If I wanted it and I saw it, I could have it. I denied my eyes nothing. I kept my heart no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this is the reward for all, reward for my toil. I considered all that my hands had done, the toil I had expended doing it, and behold, all of it was vanity. A striving, a chasing after the wind. There's nothing to be gained under the sun. Sounds pretty sad. This guy had it all, and he's doing all of these things in hope to find purpose in meaning, and he's chasing all of these things, and he says at the end, it was, it was pointless. A chasing after the wind. You know, at the end of the book, it finally comes circle, full circle after. He's like, there's a time for all of these things, but look, at the end of the day, here's what I've, here's what I've understood in my long life of chasing pursuit after pursuit. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. Understand who God is and enjoy him. Walk with him. That's what the most wise guy in the Bible said. But what's he mean, right? In case you missed it, Solomon has the most success, the best house, the best possessions, the richest lifestyle, most sophisticated, the finest wines, most incredible parties and feasts, greenest lawns, the best servants, more money than uh, we could possibly imagine military fame, popularity, endless entertainment, pleasures that anyone and everyone can indulge in. And he says it was empty, a chasing after the wind. What a fascinating idea to say, a chasing after the wind. Months back here in, in Southern California, I think a lot of you are in this area, you, you were saying, um, and we have some crazy storms going on here. And if you, I know in Long Beach, we were getting right off the, the ocean, and, and the, the wind was insane, blowing trees all the way over. It was nuts, and it was so crazy. I would watch from my window, and people are running around outside trying to grab the wind, right? They're running, and they're trying to grab the wind, to hold on to the wind. They weren't doing that because that's silly. Who would do that? Nobody would do that. No one would run around trying to grab wind. Why? Because you can't hold on to it. Picture what that would look like. 
if everyone's running and the wind is blowing and you're running out there trying to hold on to it and you know, grab it and put it in your pocket. It's impossible to do. Let that sink in. That's what Solomon is saying. If we're trying to seek pleasure in all of these things, it's like foolish. It's like chasing after the wind. You can't, you can't hold on to it. You can't put your hope in the wind. You can't hold on to it. And it's scary that people do that. They're trying to find satisfaction in, in purpose in things. you having to answer I think that it's kind of one of those things I would just put to you as you walk into this room you don't know me I, I don't know you but I I feel like that I mean I I, I, I know life I, I understand that life is hard and if you're honest with yourself and where else to be honest than at a camp that with people that, that really love you and, and, and want to actually have good conversations, hard conversations, but good conversations about what life truly is about. And so if that is the, the, the idea here, I just want you to think about this. You don't have to say it. Where, do you, where are you looking for that purpose and hope? Where is it that you're trying to hold on to to give you that satisfaction? Is it your friends? Is it relationships in general? Is it, is it sports? If I just I become this, this person in sports, then I'll be truly happy. Is it school? But if you're honest with yourself, it, it, you've chased those things before. Once you get that friend, are you truly happy? Once you're finally in that relationship you desire, is that now you're fully content? You get that trophy, you get that grade that you were working so hard for. Is, is that where you're finding con contentment? Is, it, is that desire finally met? If you're honest with yourself, it's no. And look, desires aren't bad. Those aren't a bad thing to have. They just can't be our final goal. John Piper, an amazing author and pastor, he says this. Our problem, our, our problem is not big desires. Our problem is small desires for big things. See, it's not a problem to have desires. Our problem comes when we have small desires for big things. We're focused on the wrong things. We're far too easily pleased. You see, God wants us to be satisfied, but we keep looking for that satisfaction in all the wrong places. Hebrews 10 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. I have to believe in this room that there's some of you that have just been putting your hope in so many people that aren't faithful to you. And you're longing for someone to be faithful. And all the while, this, the Bible is talking about a God who wants to be faithful because he's the only one that can be. Yet we're not looking to him anymore. We're looking for cheap imitations of him and we're trying to find satisfaction and we're missing the only one that truly is faithful. Numbers 23 says, God is not man that, you, that he would lie or change his mind. Has he not said it? If he says it, he'll do it. He's unchanging. 
He's unlike the wind. He, he's constant. He's, he's consistent. The Bible just gives a beautiful picture of who God is. If I was asked, who do you say that God is? We would all get different ideas of, of what that answer would be in your own mind. But I, I don't care who you think God is. I want to know who God says that he is. And, and we see that through his word. And so we, we learn about who God is, that God is, that he is, he is good and he is love. Let that set in for a second. We say that a lot. Yeah, he's love. Let that really sink in. First John says that God is love and, and from him love comes. If you're looking for love, he is it. He's not just like, you could be loving. I could be a loving kind of person, but I'm not love. I'm not the definition of love by any means. But he is. And if we're looking to be loved, we're looking in the wrong places unless we're looking at the source of love. Do you understand where I'm, I'm going? That He is good. He is, he is love. The Bible says that he is hope. I wonder how many of us are just just wanting to hold on to hope a little bit in the chaos that's around us in our lives right now. The things that you're putting hope in, and they're constantly letting you down, and he's like, you're putting them in the wrong places. you got to put them in the right place. I am hope. I'm eternal. I'm a creator. You should be in awe of me as we just were talking about. The rocks are screaming out and crying out. Holy, holy, holy. That, that everything is just crying out. Uh, trees are pointing up to their creator. Things are just crying out that there is a creator. Romans 1 talks about that. That God's, God's power is display, on display in creation. That we don't have an excuse because we can look around and just the world is screaming. There is a creator. And that is the one we should be putting our hope and our satisfaction is. And, and why? The first four words of the Bible are one of the most profound words in the Bible. Anybody know the first four words? In the beginning, created. Yes, so, so let's take the first three. In the beginning, God. That should blow our minds. Why? Because it starts with the Bible. The Bible starts with him. Why? Because life is about him. It doesn't say in the Bible or in the beginning, you, right? It doesn't say it, but we act as if that's what life is about is me, but it's not. It's about him. And as we keep that in perspective that in the beginning, God, and what did he do? He created. What did he create? Everything, including you and me, to enjoy him. It says in Genesis chapter 3 that he walked with his creation in the cool of the garden. That he wasn't a distant God, that he creates for us to enjoy him. Why? Because he is love. He is hope. He is these things that we're truly wanting to be satisfied in. And that's the problem when we're looking for cheap imitation. He's like, don't go, don't go looking for things in the wrong places. It's not about having the wrong, the bad, like small desires. You, you have small desires for the right kinds of things. Have big desires for me. Because I'm the only one that could truly satisfy you. This, this, week, this weekend we're talking about this idea of recrafted. 
that we're, we're made for a purpose to enjoy him and show him off. In this video we just talked about, we, we saw a potter, um, you know, molding some clay. And we see that in Isaiah 64. It talks about God being the potter. We're just simply the clay. And God has in, intentionally crafted each one of us. He says in, in this video, it's like that God is... God is the giver of form and function. He's in control of all things. Here's here's a line from the video that blew my mind. Nothing begins until he chooses, and the work is not finished until he says complete. We talked about that passage, Ephesians chapter 4 at the beginning. This guy, Paul, who writes this to encourage a church, his life was radically transformed from going one direction to a complete different one. And he, this guy whose life was transformed, he's saying, look, if you know Christ, walk as if you know Christ. Live that life out. You've been, you've been created to enjoy him, so do it. Don't live like people that don't know the Lord. That's what he's starting out by saying. Don't live like you used to walk in the, the, the darkness. Walk in this newness, in this freedom, in this purpose. Friends, where are you looking to give you hope and purpose? As we start this weekend out, that's the first question. We all have to understand a right view of who God is. And you have to ask yourself, where am I actually looking for satisfaction and hope? And in those places that I finally thought I I got what I finally wanted and I had it in my hands. If you were honest with yourself, did it fully satisfy you? The answer is no. Because God's saying there, there's only one that can truly satisfy you. And I'm the one who's created you on purpose, for a purpose. And in order to know that purpose, you've got to enjoy me because I've got you. And I want you to walk in that newness with me. So where are you looking to give you hope? Be, maybe be careful to not that put that weight on anything else except for him. Any football fans out there? Who's the goat on the count of three? One, two, three. Easy, relax. People just all assume it's Patrick Mahomes, right? I'm just kidding, right? But Tom Brady, those that just relax. Tom Brady's won so many Super Bowl rings. He has, he is just what people call one of the greatest of all times. Now listen, whether he's the greatest or not, I don't know. Here we go, listen to this. Years ago when he won his third Super Bowl ring, this guy has the right house. He has the right family according to the world. He has the right cars. He's won the game that so many people look to and be like, if I could even just be at the game, let alone play in the game, let alone win the game and win MVP to be at that level. Man, that is so impressive. And he's done it three times already. And he gets to this interview. It's not just on a local channel. It's on 60 Minutes, which is across the nation. And they're interviewing Tom Brady. Who has it all? And they're saying that, Tom, you have it. You've done it all. What else could there be? You have the ring, the house, the family, the money, the career. 
You have it all. And here's what Tom Brady says in the interview, and you can go back and watch it. It says this. I know I've won all of these things, but I still think that there's something greater for me out there. There's got to be more than this. You see, Solomon can write about this in the Bible, and we could read and we're like, yeah, but what is Solomon? What does he really know? Your youth pastors and parents and friends of yours can say, careful on where you're putting your hope and purpose. What do they know? But a guy like Tom Brady, or fill it in with most people that are on that A-list level, who when we say, man, if only I had that, then I would be so happy. You know how many of them are in rehab and going through the hardest times ever? Why? Because once you achieve that thing, it just never fully satisfies. Because we're putting our hope and trust in things that are we can't hold on to. Just be careful to put that hope in anything else except for him. Because he wants you to be satisfied that he's the only one that can fully do it. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Just even starting this out, this idea of being the craft that, that we were we were we were re, we were made to walk in, in a newness of life we were made to walk and to enjoy you God and to show you off by the ways that you've blessed us and the ways that you've gifted us but in the beginning life was about you and somewhere down the road I think that some of us in this room have changed it to make life about us and it's not working the right way because it was never intended to be that way. And I just pray, Lord, for people that don't know who you are in this room to simply be open to hearing what you would have to say to them this week. And I pray for those that maybe know who you are. They find themselves maybe being distant because they've gotten life a little upside down. And I pray this weekend, Lord, we understand what it looks like to walk in the newness of life, knowing you're in control and you are the one that truly satisfies. And you have crafted us uniquely for a purpose, on purpose, may we understand that.